Sign up for the nation news at rondonradio.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 428 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Rob Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up uh, on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about this. Uh, which type of traveler are you? Different types, I hear. Also, uh, I have to say, the streets of Seattle are starting to look better. They are. They're starting to look better here, you guys, and we've needed them to look better. We'll get to that, though. Let's get to this. Wedding season is here. Boy, you talk to, to people in their 20s and 30s, and I talked to someone the other day that is going to 12 weddings, and there'll be in four of those because all these weddings were placed on hold during COVID. Now it seems like everybody is getting married. Article out this week, though, we've touched on this before. Let's say, hey, there's men out there maybe looking for a best man. And maybe they don't have a best man because as men get older, uh, they struggle with real friendships. Is this a real issue as we head into wedding season? This was a really interesting article, and I, and I applaud the author for his transparency because he basically said a version of what you are talking about. I was getting, I was going to propose my girlfriend, and I he said he literally was scrolling through his contacts, and he's like, who would my best man be? And he got to the end of the contact list and was like, I don't know if I have any friends. He goes, I have people that I know from work and I have mates that I might go. He's an English guy. He's like, I have mates I might go to the pub with or maybe a a guy that we both like the same football team. He's like, in terms of someone that I would say is my best man, I don't know if I have it. And so he went on this journey to write a book about that. Uh, about not having any friends and what it means. And the transparency of that I found really brave and really refreshing because many men are are in that same boat. Um, It is hard. And I think men really struggle with this. And I've had to deliberately try and um, establish these. And sometimes I get frustrated because I feel like I'm always the one most of the time, not always. I feel like for certain guys, I'm the one that reaches out. Uh, and it, you, you sort of go, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to, if I want to have these friendships, then that's just the way it's going to be because of these cultural reasons. Yeah, and you know what I think is interesting? I don't, I don't know why your best man can't be a woman. I don't know why that is. I, and, and I know that there's a lot of people out there, like Steve Harvey, for instance, says, that you cannot be married and and have women friends. You just you just can't because every woman in your life is someone that you're trying to sleep with, and even if you're not sleeping with them, you want to, and that's your intention. And so, therefore, men can't have women as friends. And I I just disagree with that. I I dated a woman back in '97. We lived together for a couple years, and she's one of my very very best friends today. And I I go on bike rides with her and whoever her current boyfriend is. And we go on boating outings. She was here the other day when my mom was here and and we all had dinner together. And I would have no problem asking her 
to be the best human in a wedding if I was getting married. So some of my best relationships are people that I've spent a lot of time with. And sometimes it just happens to be a member of the opposite sex. And I treasure those friendships. The important thing is, though, is that you create that boundary for me. Like I like we have not crossed the boundary of being involved in any way romantically, even ex sex or any of that stuff since we broke up back in 97. So by having that boundary and we're both very attractive people, Ron, very attractive uh, by having that boundary. We, 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 I don't have to worry about uh, our, our friendship moving into the future. So, so for my friendships, that's important to have. But I, I don't understand why some men can't have a best person. And I know for a lot of men, when they're done with a relationship, they're done with it. Uh, I'm not. I've, I've had some really valuable friendships over the years that happen to be members of the opposite sex. And I value those just as much is I value those friendships that I have with, with the guys. I will say, and I've shared this story before, uh, I was a spin instructor for 20 years, and I always noticed that women, they, they, they just have the ability to connect sooner and quicker. And I would see all these women in my spin class, next thing you know, they're, they're going on a yoga retreat down to Mexico. And even now, I haven't taught this class in a number of years, but we're friends online they're all still very, very dear friends and they celebrate having babies and they go to each other's weddings and they have parties when someone's going through a divorce, they have this connection. And, and I think for men, sometimes we have a harder time doing that. Our connections come from probably when we were younger and we were in the vicinity of each other because we were playing sports and you're in a huddle, right? Or you're sitting on a bench at a basketball game or a baseball game. And then all of a sudden, as we get older and more responsible, Maybe we stop playing those sports. We aren't as involved. And so we don't have those connections in a football huddle anymore, or we don't have those connections sitting on a bench. I think sometimes just going out and, and putting yourself out in the world and joining like a co-ed uh, volleyball or a co-ed softball or uh, here in Seattle, kickball is a real big thing. I think doing something like that uh, can be very, very helpful. And it's one of the reasons why in my spin class, I just I got with a group of guys and I said, hey. Let's start meeting every Wednesday after class and let's just have breakfast together and see what happens. And, and these men, we started doing that, I think, seven years ago, and they are lifelong friends. And we have this very deep, deep friendship. Uh, and all these guys mean a lot to me. So Yeah, and somebody has to be that ringleader. So uh, I think you can search this. I think this book is called Billy No Mates. Uh, and so if you are a man and you look around, and you're like, I would like to have some more substantive uh, male friends in my life. Check out his book. I think you, you might like it. Billy No Mates. All right. Hey, what kind of traveler are you? Let's talk about it next. When Seattle nonprofit Plymouth Healing Communities decided to sell one of their group homes for the mentally ill and homeless, board member Catherine Walker turned to Ron and Don. It was a complicated and delicate deal. They didn't want people traipsing in and out and disturbing the residents. So instead of hanging a for sale sign, the guys turned to their deep network and found a buyer themselves. It very quickly got to terms and we signed and that was that. And then they followed through on everything to make this happen. And Catherine says she was even more blown away by what Ron and Don did next. They offered to donate their commission. It was incredible. Their generosity had a meaningful impact on the lives of 
47 residents in our organization. Heart, soul, expertise. Catherine says all of that and more is what sets Ron and Don apart from other realtors. They did a great job and genuinely interested in helping us achieve our goals. They seemed truly service-minded as opposed to kind of transaction-minded. So whether you're selling or buying, take Catherine Walker's work and schedule your Ron and Don sit-down today. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to The Ron and Don Show. Kind of an interesting article uh, we read in Apple News the other day about discovering maybe what kind of traveler you are. For me, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of late to the game. In fact, my mom is here visiting. I told her this the other day that one of the reasons why I didn't travel as much or travel internationally, number one, I just didn't want to be on really long plane flights. And it's not because I think the plane's going to crash or fall in the ocean. I'd probably be okay with that. I mean, if that's the way it's going to go, that's the way it's going to go. Uh, I don't know that I'd be okay with that. So I don't want to trivialize that. But, but I just don't like sitting really close to people for long periods of time. I don't like strangers touching me. I don't like sitting in that middle seat and arms touching, legs touching. I can't stand when people take their shoes off in front of me. It's just that kind of stuff. Or people bring their own food on the plane. They take their shoes off and they're, they're chomping away. Baby starts screaming, all that. And there's nowhere to retreat to, nowhere to go. So, so I've had to learn to do some things through therapy so I can jump on a plane and do that. And the other thing was I didn't have my passport for a long time. The reason I didn't have my passport for a long time is because anytime there would be an opportunity to go on vacation, I was typically going home because my little sister was sick. She was sick for half a decade. And, and it's really hard. And you know this. If you you have someone in your life that is terminally sick, which my sister was, you, you th- 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 there's a part of me that, that that's like, okay, I'm in Paris and my sister's back in New Mexico and she's on her deathbed or in hospice or whatever that was. And, and she passes away and dies and I'm in Paris. I, ju- I, I just couldn't do it. And so anytime there was a Christmas or anytime there was a holiday or anytime there's a vacation, I was always going back home. And then when my uh, stepfather died, same thing. Like when Stanley was dying, uh, instead of going to Hawaii or going to Maui or going to places that I like to go, I was always going back there. So I had to tell my mom, I said, hey, you know, my mom turns 80 this year and she's in great health. But I just said, you know, as you get older, I really want to be and continue to be involved in your life and you're in mine. But I, I've gone back to New Mexico over 100 times since I left home and I'm not going to be going back to New Mexico a lot. I'm going to take these times and I'm going to travel with my son because you only and you guys know this time with your young children is really fleeting. You, we all know this. And so at 12, it's one of the reasons why I'm planning trips with him not to go back home and see my sibling or see, see my mom or Stanley or he's, he's passed on. But, but to really, I, I want my son to be a world citizen. I think one of the issues that we run into in this country and everyone brings up America and everything else is if, if, if you haven't traveled and you haven't seen the way that other people live or don't live, uh, it's really amazing when you go to an impoverished country and you see people that have more joy than you do. They don't have the stuff we have. They don't have the cars we drive. They don't have the homes we live in. They don't have the access. 
to healthcare and school. And but but what you do see is you see people sometimes just they have a lot more joy than we do. Also, you see the way that people look at the United States. Do they respect it, love it, hate it from around the world? I think that that is very interesting. And 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 then you kind of figure out, hey, do I want to be an American here or do I want to be a world citizen here? And I want my son to have the opportunity to be a world citizen. And I think that happens. I think that happens with travel. So anyway, this article asked, what kind of traveler are you? And I have to say, the kind of traveler I am, I want to plan things ahead of time. I want to go with other people that are curious. If we're going to go somewhere and you're not curious about anything that's happening around you, like when Ron and I went to the beaches of Normandy, it was so cool because all the guys that were there, we were so curious about World War II and what happened on those beaches. And I felt bad for our guide there because we were, we, we were just killing him with so many questions. Just We were so curious about it. But it was so great because Ron would ask a question or his brother would ask a question or a friend Carter would ask a question. And, and, and we were all into it. We were all curious. We'd all done our work. And, and that was really fun. And at the same time, these guys like staying up, maybe playing some games, cards, drinking a glass of wine. I like getting up early and going for a run. And it was really cool to do that, to get up and go for a run in these old farmhouses that I've only seen on TV in World War II movies that the Vikings had built, right? So anyway... I'm I, I'm not going to go lay on a beach somewhere. Going to Mazatlan, the only time I went, I came home early. Like, I don't need an all-drinking pass and just laying on the beach and getting more skin cancer. Like, like I want to be on the move, and I want to be with other people that are on the move. And if they're not on the move, at least give me the freedom to be on the move and to do something that's active. And hopefully, you're just as excited to be there is I am. So what, what kind of traveler are you? Well, this um, article framed things up in an interesting way where they broke it down on this metrics where it's like there, there is a type of person that you, you brought up Paris. There's a type of person that is going to Paris to see if it conforms with what they think Paris is. So they've watched the movies, they've read the books, uh, they have formulated a version of Paris in their mind before they get there. And so their their goal is, will Paris live up to this romantic ideal that I've already formed in my brain? And so they get there and they're searching for that. Um, they're searching for maybe a famous cinematic moment of people embracing under the Eiffel Tower or their... Formulating a moment of the perfect, you know, French cafe with uh, intellectual thinkers, you know, eating a croissant. And so when they get there, those type of folks tend to be a little bit disappointed because Paris is not the same as it was in the 1950s for your favorite French movie. Uh, and Paris, it just isn't exactly the same as you imagined it would be. And they said the other style of traveler is one that can do some research and go into it, and they want to experience what really is there. They would like to go there and go, oh, wow, I thought Paris was going to be this, but it's really different from that. And I thought the Eiffel Tower was going to be like this, and it totally it surprised me that it's not like that at all. And they're, you're either kind of in one camp or the other. 
And I've got to say, I think luckily for me that I'm in, I'm in the latter. I will usually do some research. I'll usually watch some films or read a book. Uh, and a lot of times it might be, uh, like when I went to Cuba, I read old man in the sea, but I didn't expect for Havana to be exactly like the way Hemingway wrote it or exactly like it was when Hemingway was in Cuba. But I wanted that as a cultural touchstone. So I think, um, yeah, I, I think that I'm I'm the latter, that I want to experience it as it is today, um, even though I have an image in my brain of what I think it'll be. Most of the time, it's very, very different than than that. Yeah, where, where's a place you, that... that- that you went and and you were kind of blown away because it was it was so much more than you thought it was going to be. China. Yeah. What was what was so much more about it? <laughs> a thousand Well, when you and I grew up we're at a certain age. Well, well, let me just ask you. What what was your image of China uh as a young person growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico? What did you think China would be? Uh, like? I think inferior, uh a place where um there's a lot of violence that happened between the Chinese and the Japanese, uh, a society that was very closed, a society that wanted to be uh, westernized and could not, a society that didn't value women poor as, or rich as much as they value men. Uh, and I would say, yeah, I would say rice paddies and rice fields and in a very poor economy that was certainly always trying to chase down the American economy. Yeah, that's that's what I thought as well. So I, I grew up in that Cold War era picture of all the stereotypes around China. And when I got there, I went to Shanghai and I went to Hangzhou. Uh, when I got there, I was com- astonished with how wrong I was about virtually everything. I'm sure there are parts of rural China that are uh, similar to some of those stereotypes. But these modern cities of 20 plus million people um, it, it's, it's mind blowingly modern, uh, mind blowingly like the malls and the shopping and the buildings and the architecture and the food and the people, um, it just absolutely exceeded everything that I thought that I knew about China. Yeah. All right, you guys see you on the other side of this. All right, you guys, Ron and Don here with uh, Mitch Not Loans, one of the great advertisers here on the Ron and Don podcast. This is unique. We had a couple listeners that reached out to Ron and said, hey, we'd like uh, you guys to sell our home out here in Snoqualmie. And then we have a couple listeners that listened to this podcast that wanted to buy that home. So our buyers and sellers were part of the Ron and Don Nation. And guess what the buyer did who listens to the podcast? They reached out to you in order to get the financing done. So everybody in this transaction was part of the Ron and Don Nation. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was really cool. It was great. Yeah, no, um, I had a client reach out to me, and I didn't actually hear at first where where he was calling from. And he said, no, I heard you on the podcast. I'm part of Ron and Don Nation. Let's save some money. And so we worked with him, um, and then it turned out the house that he fell in love with was a Ron and Don listed home, which was just great. That is super cool. It was a very smooth close as well. Everybody is extremely happy with that deal. So if you listen to this show, the other real estate agent also in the Ron and Don Nation, so that was pretty cool. Go to Mitch.loans.com. 
Mitch will do a Zoom with you. You'll do a phone call, talk about your goals, whether it's purchasing a new house or a second house, a vacation house. He's got you covered. Go to Mitch.loans and ask him, how do I get that one half percent back uh, towards my deal? Mitch.loans. Welcome to uh, the final segment of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, ronandonsitdown.com. We can do a virtual sit-down today and talk about uh, your real estate journey. City of Seattle, we've complained a lot. I've threatened to run for mayor because the city has just been so damn dirty. Uh, in so many tents, so many derelict RVs, people have come from all over the country and all over the world to live here because we basically handle a lot of money out, a lot of services out, and we haven't expected a lot, a lot of accountability from the people that not only they don't live on our streets, they live in our parks. Uh, they live in some of our great parks. They live on some great real estate. When you say that people live in the streets of Seattle, they don't. Uh, they will pick the finest neighborhoods and just kind of post up. And because of our lack of policing here and really every mayor that we've had through here for the past couple of years has said, hey, if we don't, we can't provide housing for someone, then we're not going to move that tenor to their derelict RV. Uh, our new mayor here has said the same thing, but I think he may look at housing differently because they've provided some housing with some tiny houses and some other things. Uh, what I'm seeing a lot of happening right now, Ron, is they were doing these sweeps and then the same folks wait a day or two and then they move right back into the same areas and start doing the same damn stuff again. And then you have to wait six months until it is just a petri dish of shit and then they'll turn around and come back and we're basically the the city has been a maid service for people that don't want to follow the rules here and don't want to be accountable like the rest of us and then if you're if you're a heroin addict you need about 90 dollars a day where do you get 90 dollars a day petty theft you roll up into these neighborhoods and it's not petty anymore because they'll just steal a car uh whatever it is you can find uh, my job site got hit for a third time, a third time last week, a third time they hit our job site, two dump trucks stolen over a hundred thousand dollars in tools, uh, over the years. It's just, it just gets to you when you have to go out. And, and I rolled up on Saturday morning to go work on this house that we're building. And I had to go over to dumb lumber and just buy all new tools. Then they know that you have new tools and they're going to keep breaking into your job site, even though the tools aren't there. They're in a completely different place. We had a safe house built in one of our houses. They had to build a safe house inside the house to put the tools in so they couldn't break into the house and steal the tools. They have to break into the house and the safe house. Uh, so I, I am beginning to see, though, a change. And what the city has decided to do is we're going to clean up some of these areas and then in the areas, especially so these derelict RVs can't come back, we're going we're gonna to place large concrete blocks in those areas. And the parks, we're going to close the parks, and we're going to put fences around them, and we're not going to reopen them. So in a way, even though that the city, is, is, we're, we're getting to that point where things are starting to get cleaned up, and I'm seeing a difference, we're held hostage a little bit because none of us can still use any of these parks. The parks aren't open that they've cleaned out. We can't. Because if you open up those parks and you take the fencing down, the tenders are going to move back in. And the same with the derelict RVs. I see some of the same derelict RVs are just in other parts of the city now. It is tube of toothpaste that you keep pushing. But down the street from me, where these RVs were all parked, they put in concrete blocks. Those concrete blocks mean none of us can park there. But I do have to say, the petty crime in my neighborhood, at least at this point, has stopped. Yeah, and uh, I will give Bruce Harrell some credit because we were very suspicious, and I think justifiably so, uh, with the rhetoric he had coming into office. 
he he's made some progress. And if you know anything about the city of Seattle and the politics here, it is very difficult to make progress on this front. There, there is a homeless industrial complex. I think Don sort of coined that phrase back in the day when we were on Cairo. Uh, the homeless industrial complex has a lot of momentum going in a, in a very specific way. And it is not the direction that Bruce Harrell wants to go. So even doing the things that you just described, I'm going to take those as a victory. And, and I've seen some of the changes as well. Um, if this problem was easy to solve, it would have been solved by now. Um, and, and I'm just going to be curious, like you mentioned the dumb lumber, right? Maybe a block away or less than a block away from that is a, it was a tiny house village that land is finally going to be developed by the Ivers between the dumb lumber. That tiny house village is now looking for a new place to post up for the next couple of years. They have signs made there like help us find our new spot. Um, back in the day, the community sort of said, Hey, churches, why don't you guys do this? Jesus would do this for the homeless people. Why don't you host a tiny house? I think two churches tried it. I went out and interviewed people at the churches. And very quickly after that, the churches were like, yeah, on second thought, we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be the host of this uh, for some of the same reasons you just said. So I'm going to be curious to see where they end up. We have a tiny house village down the street from where I live that was slated to be there a year. I think we're going into year five now. Mm. Uh, and that property is about to be developed where the old auto hound, uh, and there was a bunch of buildings that got torn down. They're developing that entire lot. It's a kitty corner from the, the brain Institute, Paul Allen's brain Institute, very valuable piece of land right by the Marriott. And so where's that tiny house? So we have two tiny house villages that I think are on the verge of needing new real estate. I don't know where they're going to go. I'm going to be curious to see if Bruce Harrell can bridge that divide, because if those people get ejected um you're now going to put i would say at least at least 150 200 people uh back onto the streets um so i'm just gonna be curious if he can if he can accomplish that i'm going to give him major kudos on this show yeah anyway if you're thinking about traveling to seattle the the city is feeling lighter brighter i think the sun being out summer finally arriving has us all feeling good and the good thing is, you know, when the clouds are just hanging on, you can never really look up in the sky and, and appreciate the wonder of the Pacific Northwest. But we've had a lot of great sun. And the cool thing is, this is the time of year you want to be here. Right when you're ready to move, the summer comes, and we're rolling right now in the in the high 70s, maybe low 80s. And it it's, it's the perfect time to come visit because it cools down at night to like 58, 59 degrees. So... Anyway, we beat up on the city and, and that mayor a little bit, and I do want to just say, hey, Bruce, I think I, I think you're doing a very good job, so so keep it up. We appreciate that. We appreciate you uh, looking out for us here in those neighborhoods. And again, I hope uh, we will do a better job at, at recruiting new police officers in the city as well, as our city has been decimated, like a lot of cities have, when it comes to the defunding of the police. A lot of officers looked at that and said, you don't need to defund. I quit. I'm out of here. So, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. Yeah, ron at ronanddon.com. We would love to do a sit down with you, especially if you're thinking, I want to buy now. 
If you want to buy, let's do it. If you're thinking, hey, I, I still want to list my home, uh, this would be a good time to do it. Ron and Don, give me a game plan. We will do that for you. Email me, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can just do it directly, ronanddonsitdown.com. Yeah, don't forget, got a really cool listing up on Woodby Island right now. And also while you're listening to this, we have a new listing uh, that has just come on in Milk Creek. So if you're looking for a really cool two-bedroom with a shared wall, we have one that just came on in Milk Creek this weekend. And then this house up on Woodby Island, uh, I put it out on some reels online. In fact, you can go to my Facebook page, Don O'Neill, take a look at this thing. Uh, this is a dream home, you guys. 3,400 square feet, has apartment in the basement. You could Airbnb that, or you could Airbnb upstairs. Uh, and you're just, you're, you just walk across the street, and you're right there at Goss Lake. You have access uh, to Goss Lake there on Woodby. And you're really about 15 minutes from the ferry terminal. So you jump on a ferry, you head over there, and it would be a great place to spend some weekends. Uh, it's one of those listings that I look at, and I'm like, oh, I should buy this thing. So anyway, super cool. Look on uh, my Facebook page, Don O'Neill, if you want to see it. Uh, we can give you a tour if it's still for sale by the time uh, you hear this broadcast. So built 15 years ago. It is ma- it's a magnificent A-frame home, uh, and I think you'll love it. Okay? Just go to rundownsitdown.com if you need us. You can reach me, Don O'Neill. On Facebook, Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram. Until next time, of course, he's Ron Upshaw to everything. Next time, keep your head up, shoulders back, and we'll see you right here on the Ron and Don. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.